Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dosh, Rinko Levers. Hey everybody, welcome to the sunset edition of Wrong and Wronger, the show that evidently records anytime, morning, noon, night, any day of the week, it's James's schedule is so insane. He is in such demand. The fans want him. The press wants him. Industry moguls want him. And you, the wrong and wronger fan, want him. And guess where you fall on the totem pole? That's right, dead last. So I'm the one that has to suffer. But James, I digress. I'm in a zenny spot here. I got deers that, as predicted, they've come back to the feeder. I've got hummingbirds killing each other over the two feeders of theirs, even though there's only eight of them. Apparently, they can't work out one hole for each beak. Don't take that in a weird way. But I'm not here to talk about me, James. I'm here to talk about you. And apparently, I've still got you here because I'm paying attention to the phone this time. So you talk for a minute. How are you doing? I am actually thrilled to be here right now, uh, and I'm actually kind of impressed by you. I am I am thrilled to be here because of your courage. After last week, when you narrowly survived a bee attack, you oh, have chosen no. yet again to brave the great outdoors. You're just out what there the completely heck? exposed. You can okay, be attacked by anything recording. at any time. I keep losing Breakwell, and he keeps oh losing me. He's gosh. probably talking right now. <laughs> We're probably talking at the same time. I, the phone is ringing. Okay. We're still recording. I, uh, it's going to be good. Wow. It's going to be good. Wow. Can you hear me? I I can hear you. They can hear you. Thank God you're back. I was so frightened and alone while you were gone. So this is going to be a problem for the recording because during that time, you were recording on your end, and I bet you kept yeah. talking, and I, I kept talking on my end. Uh, and that's going to be unusable. It's going to be it's going to be thirty seconds of us talking over no. each other. Unless I go through and listen to this podcast to find the section where that happened and mute you, because obviously my monologue what? is more important than your monologue. And it's just going to be I... you on screen, like silently, like a mime, like mouthing words of panic because I'm not there to support you. And uh, I don't know what's going on with your phone reception today. I'm a, I'm a little concerned for you. You're getting cut off down there. I have two bars and I've been watching it and I still have two bars. I don't know if it's a weird electronic pulse that's coming through or if the curse of Rattlesnake Ranch, the uh, the evil spirit that resides on the property here, doesn't want me talking to you, which frankly makes that spirit not evil, but rather benevolent. I mean, it's probably just concerned. I love how, so as, as I was getting everything booted up, because we're recording this at a weird time, my entire family's yep. awake, I got out of the shower 10 seconds ago, I was I was cutting it close, I went over time, I was a little bit late, I answered the call on time, but I wasn't ready. So yep. I asked some questions to Steve, and he just naturally assumed I wasn't listening, but it wasn't that I wasn't listening, it was that I wanted to save my responses for the episode, to make sure that you all could oh. could benefit from them, because you said one thing that really got my brain going you said i i said i was what? i was concerned that you were outside again and you could get attacked by a bee i don't know if i used the yeah. word concerned i might have been amused or thrilled or something who knows what it was 
it's the, it's the past now. But you said, well, I I'm understand. on. You were either you were on the front porch last time, and this time you were on the back, or you were on the back before. And now you were on the front. Like either way, you assumed yeah. that this open area that's like ten feet from the other open area was immune to bee attack. Like you had traveled far enough that no bee could possibly find you, even though they fly at like thirty <laughs> miles an hour and they have like a like a ten mile zone of control for their territory. But somehow moving this slight distance with no barrier between you and them will keep you perfectly safe. Is that a, a correct summation of your current situation? The barrier is not a physical one, James. The barrier is evidently an emotional one for the bees. <laughs> <laughs> because we got, uh, we got a ton of bees and sweat bees that hang out in, in the front. And I can't explain it. But if we're working out there, we're swatting and slapping and, and running for our very lives. Back here, we have carpenter bees, the giant fuzzy ones. And uh, we have carpenter bee traps that are working. So I haven't seen one of those in a long time. But I don't know. We just don't get the same kind of insect infestation, bees in particular back here, except for the bees that pollinate the plants. They're everywhere, but they don't mess with us. They just do their own thing and stay out of our way. So to be clear, you were aware that you were recording in bee territory last time, and you chose to do that, and then you were shocked by the consequences of your decision. Yeah, in hindsight, <laughs> which you now have the benefit of, that does perhaps seem a little screwy to you. To me at the time, I was under pressure. We had just gotten back from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and James Breakwell's gunning the accelerator. We got to record. We got to record. We got to record. I said, James, the fans will understand. And you're like, screw the fans. The fans are going to get a show whether they like it or not because that's who I am. And I said, James, have some compassion. And you said, I am a heartless monster. <laughs> and so I had to do what I had to do, James. Do you understand? I, I understand that you had a choice between the porch and the sting zone and the porch and the non-sting zone, <laughs> and you actively chose the sting zone. I've got to imagine it would not have taken you any longer. Like from you were probably start, you probably started out in the middle of your of your cabin, and you could have gone in either direction. And you deliberately uh. chose the sting zone, for which I'm grateful uh, and ungrateful at the same time because <laughs> you were attacked. I actually had to watch that episode. Thankfully, you were attacked in like the first minute and a half, so I only had to watch a little bit. But it was every bit as great as I hoped it would be, and I'm glad that I was there to <laughs> capture that on camera. Ah, God, and apparently based on uh, fan comments on YouTube, it was, it was a fan favorite. And I don't know why my pain causes everyone else such glee, but uh, you spearhead that movement, James. <laughs> I think you need to set a different example, a more compassionate, there's that word again, example for our viewers and listeners. I mean, this is basically becoming fear factor with you getting attacked by different animals, <laughs> either either on camera or off. I mean, if you would want to do us all a favor, the next time there are coiled rattlesnakes jumping up at your mower, I mean, maybe hit record. Maybe give me a call for a surprise podcast. I would be happy to talk with you in the middle of that. You know, I just got that Facebook memory shared, so apparently it is rattlesnake mating season right now because it was a year ago, like two days ago or something, that uh, I posted that video of the rattlesnake coming at me. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a subsequent video of me shooting 17 times and missing 17 times as I was screaming while it came at me. I decided to spare 
the listeners and the viewers of that trauma. But it was about a year ago. So I went out this week and we this weekend. I went out yesterday. Today's only Monday. I went out yesterday on the tractor back there and didn't see any. So apparently they're doing the nasty back in the woods the way that it needs to be. The way that God intended for snakes to do the nasty. They were probably driven off by the bees, if I had to guess. The bee coverage is so complete, they did not want to be out there anymore. So you, so right now, you're out there in the bee-free porch, and you've got, you've got deer behind you, correct? You've got this majestic sunset. You've really set up a picture here. Yes, and uh, I will say the bees, the honeybees, have figured out that the hummingbird feeder has sugar water in it. And uh, the bees actually keep the birds away. Like, they're, the, the bees battle the birds. And I shared a video of that, like bees attacking one of the hummingbirds. So we've had to come out and try to kill some bees to send a strong message to the other bees to stay away from the hummingbird feeders. But it, it's a never-ending battle against nature out here, James. My kids are screaming at each other in the background so it's the <laughs> it's nature nature is healing i just they have they live lives of ease they've grown up their entire lives and one house they've moved zero times both their parents are together they want for nothing and yet their lives yeah. are so full of drama and trauma in equal portions uh, we asked them <laughs> to fold their laundry and do the dishes oh, tonight no. and you would think we were committing just horrible acts of child abuse you would not imagine how much screaming happened now these are these are simple requests and we put two yeah. kids on each one which doubles the screaming but shouldn't amount in half the work and um immediately when you give a, a job to one kid the first thing they do is scream at another child because they have to delegate and i say no you don't need to delegate you should not say the name of any other child be concerned with yourself child by this name and just do the thing i have given to you which prompts another flurry of words. Like, mind you, there, there are no words needed at any point in this process. The chore has been assigned, and all that must be done now is the chore. But instead, they want a debate. They want an explanation. <laughs> and then I, I try to explain there doesn't need to be a debate. The matter is closed. And, and then there are more words. And, and Steve, hmm. there are so many words. There are words all over the place. But what there is not is folding of laundry and there is not the doing of dishes there's only words <laughs> and now screaming and possibly slamming of doors so we'll see what gets James, picked up by I, my microphones here i get the impression that your children do not fear their father or his wrath i i doing everything wrong apparently i i don't know this this was something that was supposed to be completed days ago this morning there was another chore list left out with the same chores on it my wife said hey when everybody gets home you need to do these chores and she posted this in the family text thread so there's no denying it there is a record that this request oh, no. was made but yet so this is like the fourth time this has been brought up but yet when we get off work and uh we come home and of course none of these chores have been done the kids have only been home off the bus for two straight hours at that point they are shocked and dismayed that this oh, no. request still exists and we are the bad guys <laughs> for catching them totally by surprise with a three-day-old request that has been reiterated many times this this is parenthood this is repeating yourself again and again and each time your kids react like they've never heard it before and then they instantly forget that they have heard it now uh, james are you filled with fatherly wrath like do you even have that in you I I don't even know what I feel, Steve. I think I'm just broken. I don't think I feel anything anymore. I just I'm just defeated. I honestly don't understand. 
if if they would just do the things we asked them to do, they would be done in less than an hour. Like all of the chores we sure. asked them for total combined, less than an hour per child for an entire week. Uh, but yet somehow it, we get like, it's probably a part-time job that they put in in terms of hours just avoiding chores and explaining why they shouldn't do chores <laughs> and why everything is somebody else's fault. I mean, we're talking like they make it 20 times harder than it needs to be. And uh, I don't see it slowing down. As they become older and more articulate, uh, just the explanations for why they can't do this very simple thing get longer and longer. Even as their own capabilities grow, they deploy 100% of those capabilities towards getting out of the chores. Which they do eventually? I think. I usually in time for the chore to be needed again. Like, you know, they, they will <laughs> just... They will. They they will do. Well, let me ask you this question, James yes. Breakwell. What's in it for them to get these chores done? Well, if they fold their laundry, they have clothes to wear, and if they uh -huh. do the dishes, they have you know things to eat off of. Like they they get food. Uh -huh. That's that that seems to be the incentive. Uh, but like with the dishes, I would say nine times out of ten, I end up doing them myself because it is so much work to go through this debate with them that sometimes I just want to like load the dishwasher. Again, we have a machine that does the heavy lifting for us. Yeah. We just have to get the dishes yeah. into the machine. And even yeah. that step is too much work. I mean, I don't know what we would have done if we were like in pioneer times and we had to go like wash our laundry on a rock in the river. I, I just assume my kids would just lay down and get swept away by like the gradually moving current because that would be easier <laughs> than just washing the laundry. They, again, the, the clothes come out. We, we put them in the washing machine. We got an extra large washer. So there's one load of lights, one load of darks, and then yeah. the laundry is done. They just have to fold it so they can put it away. And that's still too much. Someday, someday we're going to have a robot that folds the laundry for us and we just have to hand the laundry to the robot and that will still be too much work and they will put in 20 solid hours into explaining why they cannot handle hand the laundry basket to the laundry robot i have no doubt this will come to pass all right so let me let me see if i can summarize this quickly uh if they don't do the dishes dad does them and if they don't fold the laundry, do they just do they go to school naked? Like how 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 do they end up with clothing if they don't fold the laundry? If you said the reward for folding the laundry is having clothing to wear, I think they go in and pull wrinkled clothing out of the clothing basket. I, I oh, usually hell. usually usually by the time they come to a clothing crisis, we have told them to do yeah. laundry so many times that some of the laundry gets folded. Like I think it it does get done eventually, but poorly and with great reluctance. <laughs> so they've got you trained up pretty well, James. I'm actually kind of proud of your kids. I mean, someday, someday they will move out and they will have children of their own and this cycle will repeat. And that's what keeps me going. That karma still exists and is coming for them. I mean, if they're smart, none of them will reproduce so that the, so there's no way this can boomerang back on them. They will just end the breakwell line right here and now. And they will have gotten oh. off scot-free and they will have they will have won. All right. Well, uh, I know how much you hate to lose. So I'm hoping at some point you can rally the James troops and get dad involved in the game again because you're working from home. So you have the perfect platform to to take your uh, your uh, 
your 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 god-given dadly powers and and enforce all of this stuff on your girls i mean like most of america i'm hybrid sometimes i'm home and sometimes i'm not but more importantly the kids are out of the house like during the weeks they have to do this at nights and weekends they're they're they, mind you when they were home all day during the summer these things still would not get done i mean they would put it off <laughs> until the last possible second until i would come home and it's like all right how have you spent the previous eight hours and of course they had just been laying down using youtube and, and doing nothing, but you clearly disapprove of my parenting. You clearly are implying I'm doing this wrong. So you, as a successful father of two, explain sure. to me how you did things better so that your children did all of the chores as told the first time. Yeah, yeah. I was on the road through most of your childhood. <laughs> That's a good strategy. So you just you didn't even see it. They may have had clothes. They may not have had clothes. It was irrelevant because you weren't there. <laughs> it really doesn't affect me one way or the yeah. other. But I will say I have... Um, I have brought, I've carried forward all of my bad habits from childhood because my mother would fold my laundry and then married someone who would just continue to reinforce my reluctance to fold laundry. Because as I've said on this podcast many times, like if I need socks, the socks, the sock fairy appears and I have socks in my drawer. And the same thing happens with dirty laundry. It appears folded in my drawers after uh, every week or 10 days or so. And it's a wonderful experience, James. So my advice to your children is marry smart. That's what I did. It seems I have underinvested in laundry fairies. That's that's where I went wrong. I should have <laughs> I should have bargained with the fairy union. I should have paid them a fair wage, and we would not be having uh. this fight. I actually I had a. You know, as I, I I was fantasizing about winning the lottery, as one does, and I was thinking, how would I, <laughs> how would I spend my billion dollars without ruining my children? Huh. Would I? Because I would have, you know, I would have the means to hire someone to come in and fold the laundry and clean the house. But would that ruin my kids without them taking responsibility? Would they grow up to be useless and incapable of cleaning for themselves? Would they depend on cleaning people? And I thought, would it matter if they depended on cleaning people if they were going to inherit some of those billions? Would their friends? look down on them for being incapable of this i don't know steve these are these are the existential questions that trouble me during the day and then i remembered i don't have a billion dollars so it's not it's not even my problem (laughs) i I just i can just make them do the laundry and they can ignore me and but you know what it'll build character they will they will grow up with stories of terror with how i made i tried to make them collectively do two chores between all of them two chores divided between four children and it was still too much (laughs) <laughs> Two chores to unite them all in yes. hatred against you. For, yes. For the non-math majors out there, that is half a chore per child. I mean, it's not, it is not an aggressive <laughs> chore rate. <laughs> well, I'm sure you pay them a fair wage for completing these chores, right? I do. I give them an allowance. It is automatically deducted from the bank account, and it is $1 per year of life. So if you will say, if my oldest child, she turned 13 this year. So for the entire Ooh. calendar year, even before she turned 13 in May, the bank every week deposits $13 in her account with the idea of being Holy the cow. older you are, the more capable you are. So my 11-year-old gets 11, my 9-year-old gets 9. Oh my yes, God. they are they are compensated at a rate exponentially higher than what I got as a child. Uh, but they don't physically see the money. I don't hand them cash. Nor should I, because it would probably give them the wrong incentives again. But they are being compensated, and it makes no difference whatsoever. <laughs> Maybe you should hand them the cash. 
I mean, uh, wrong incentive. Like, would you go to work every day if you didn't get paid? I'm guessing the answer is, well, I do love my job. If I won the Powerball, I would definitely show up tomorrow. But I'm guessing at least 51% of it is because you get paid. That's why you do your job. So I'm never a, uh, what's the opposite of proponent? I'm never an adversary. Opponent? I'm never the opponent? Enemy. Proponent? I'm never the opponent. <laughs> I'm never the opponent of uh, allowances for kids. Like, get them, turn them into good capitalists early on in life. Good, uh, hard days work for a hard day's pay. But capitalists get their money by direct deposit. That That is how capitalism works. Like, you do not go to boss man at the end of the week to be handed cash. If you do, you're working under the table and will probably get nailed for tax evasion. So we don't, we don't want to bring that system in here. Like these, uh, these wages are going, they're documented, they're tracked. The FBI knows exactly what I'm paying my kids. It's all, it's all above board, except for the part where they do not renew, or, uh, they do not, they do not perform the service for which they are paid. I am, I am wow. paying for, uh, for, I'm not sure what I'm paying for really. I'm, I'm paying to be you? disrespected. <laughs> I am paying to teach myself a lesson about an ungrateful workforce that I cannot fire. <laughs> I cannot evict. You are- you're bankrolling your own demise, Jay. I am. They're they're yelling at each other again in the next room. I just think, again, they should have been they should have been done by the time I hit record on this podcast. But they are still going. They are still fighting. And when I go in there, I guarantee you that kitchen will still be full of dirty dishes. <laughs> James, have you ever heard of Aesop and Aesop's Fables? Yes. Oh, I thought you were going to say Aesop like an employee-owned business. Employee? Oh, is that a thing? Yeah. Well, I guess you outside the I don't know what what you what sector you're even in. Yeah, it's when a <laughs> when a business is employee owned. I don't. It, it's an ESOP, but it's a uh, I don't know. I don't know what huh. the exact acronym is, so I can't spell it out. But the E is for employees. I know that much. I got the first letter. Well, the E is actually an A that's uh, built like a leaning A frame, an ESOP, but. The point is, I don't even know what that letter is in Greek or Romanian or whatever the original Aesop was from, but you remind me a lot of an eagle in one of Aesop's fables, that the mighty eagle was soaring and his breast was pierced by an arrow from an archer that kills him. But before he dies, as he's plummeting toward the earth, he notices the fletching in the arrow contains his own feathers. So he was instrumental in creating the instrument of his own death. And that... James Breakwell perfectly describes your direct deposit allowance system with your children. I just had to throw that in there, mostly to make myself sound smart and well-read. So what what was the eagle supposed to do? Was he supposed to never shed feathers? Was he supposed to hold all of his old ratty feathers on his body for his entire life? Explain to me where the eagle went wrong. I don't think the eagle went wrong at all. That wasn't really the point of the fable. The point was sometimes you are instrumental in your own demise. I don't know that the eagle could have made different decisions, but you did remind me of the eagle. Well, Whether it be by decisiveness, your own volition, or even involuntarily, this is what happened to both of you. Well, to me, the moral of that story is that no less than two federal crimes were committed. Collecting the feathers what? of an eagle is a crime, and killing an eagle what? is a crime. That is a double <laughs> felony right there. Killing an eagle with an eagle-fletched 
uh, arrow is is definitely going to land you in some serious federal penitentiary uh, time. It is not going to be a good. Uh, it's not going to be a good outing. It really isn't. And I have to I have to encourage you, Steve, as you play around with crossbows. Please, please do not kill any eagles. Not that not that you would ever hit anything you aimed at, but there's always a chance that you could be aiming away from the eagle and shoot it by accident because you veer so off course. So just maybe <laughs> if there's an eagle anywhere in the vicinity, just put the crossbow away and stay out of prison because I cannot replace you. Nobody else has low enough standards to be on this podcast. And there's nobody <laughs> else who will work for free. You, you receive less money for this than my kids receive for the chores. They do not do. James, I just flipped the camera around because I'm literally watching the sun go down. Like I can see it moving. It's right along the tree line and it is spectacular. Not that you're not a golden peach to watch and look at during this podcast, but I thought I would give the viewers two things to really take in and soak their eyeballs with. One is me and then the other one is a beautiful orange sunset. Well, I think I think that's actually an apt comparison because whether you're looking at you or directly into the sun, either one is going to cause <laughs> eye damage. So you really you really brought that analogy home. Wow. Well, speaking of bringing things home through all of the starts and jerks and rewinds and we we we're, we're <laughs> We've run out of time, and I've run out of words, James. <laughs> yes, please just get us out of here while two people in the audience can still see. Maybe, maybe this one should be audio only, just, just so we don't get sued. <laughs> so we don't get sued. We're bringing merriment to people, James. They ought to pay us. But I know you have a policy against getting paid for doing anything. <sighs> uh, so I, I, I respect your boundaries there. Yes, I definitely am failing at all parts of commerce by choice. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> wow. I didn't mean to tie up those loose ends. But, <laughs> hey, if the shoe fits. That wasn't Aesop. I think that was Cinderella. Uh, or was it the prince? I believe it was the prince in Cinderella that says if the shoe fits. I think you've got So I think it's Aesop's Fables, not Aesop's Fables. And Aesop is definitely an employee-owned company. You can look that up afterwards. Did you just Google it? No, I didn't. I know things in my head, but it, 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 regardless, <laughs> you're not going to look it up. So you'll never call that. Call me on it. Like one random commenter on YouTube is going to look this up, and they'll and they'll point it out, and neither of us yeah. will read the comment, yeah. and thus our podcast will die. So it's the natural course of things. Please get us out of here. <laughs> hey, I read all the comments, and I hit them with a little heart when people write. So that's always me. Once in a while, I even reply. And I'm sure people are thrilled. It makes their day when they are touched by the hand of God like that. And that's why they go you away forever. <laughs> you can be touched by the hand of God and not in a weird way. If you watch this show or listen to this show every week, Judy P. does both. I think you can, too. Bump our numbers up so Breakwell can deny even more commerce going into our bank accounts for doing this show every week. Come Hell or high water. Or <laughs> this is the worst outro ever. <laughs> I, I'm distracted by my own brilliance at the sunset. Until we meet again, and I try again to do an outro. I did a good job on the intro, by the way. This is Steve Olivas, the rather verbose document for James, the wanting to get the hell out of here break well. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I could go on, but two wrongs can make a right. <laughs>